Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can always learn more about the vision or get financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. I remember back in 2009, uh, first hearing about a study that was done by Microsoft. And the Microsoft Corporation decided that they were going to test and try to do some research to figure out how connected the world was. And so the way this this, uh, research project operated, by the way, this is, it actually happened in 2008. The study came out in 2009. uh, And you may have heard of it. It's called the Six Degrees of separation. And the idea behind this research project was uh, the developers at Microsoft wanted to see how connected the world actually was. And so what they did was they looked into pretty much all the instant messaging that was taking place at the time. 30 billion users and over 180 million different messages that had gone out. And, And what they found was that the average point of connection between people was 6.6 steps of connection. Here's what that means. That means that uh, you are, give or take a percentage point, you're about six to seven uh, people away from meeting whoever you want to meet in the world. So as you're sitting here today, you go, well, hey, I can just get on Instagram and I can message somebody and and I've got a connection. That's not really what I'm talking about. This, This actually took place back in 2009 when, when Facebook hadn't really even taken off yet. This is back when some of y'all were on MySpace. Can I get a MySpace shout out right now? In fact, if, if you like ran MySpace and you had an account and you posted up music and stuff, would you just throw that in the comments right now? I know that I'm gonna age out some people by doing that, but uh, if you still have an active MySpace account, let me know. Um, I just need to give you a lot of credit for that. But uh, this, is, this is back before Facebook took off and and really connected the world even more. And the truth is, when, when, I, when I first heard this study, I didn't get on uh, Facebook, I think, till like 2009, maybe, 2010. Uh, but, but when I first heard it, I found it kind of hard to believe. Hard to believe that um, I was a couple contacts away from Michael Jordan, a couple contacts away from the president. Maybe for some of you, you go, well, um, you, you wanted to be a couple contacts away from your favorite singer or your favorite actor or actress, right? Uh, I know for my wife, who's watching this right now, to think that she's a couple contacts away um, from uh, Matt McConaughey. Can I get a shout out? Uh, the, the, truth, the truth is, we're, we're a lot more closely connected than we think. And, and the more I looked into this study and I think about platforms like Facebook or Instagram, especially online, uh, our world is connected through relationships. In fact, it could be said that the world runs on relationships. And the crazy thing about it is that's how God designed us individually. It's to crave relationship. We were designed for relationships with other people. In fact, I want to preach the sermon today titled, uh, It All Runs on Relationship. It all runs on relationship. We're in this series on our core values called heart and soul. The heart and soul of our church, which we believe matches the heart and soul of the church that we see defined 
in Scripture. Last week, we talked about the importance of, of gathering together for worship and how important it is to gather with God's people. Obviously, we're doing that online right now. But today, I want to talk about the core value of growing in our faith. We believe at Awaken Church that we grow in our faith through relationships. We grow in our faith through relationships. And I know right now, some of you are going, well, I grow through reading scripture. I grow through worship music. I grow through reading spiritual books and all those things are true. But I wanna submit to you and I'm gonna show you today through God's word that those things alone are not enough. That the way God designed you, the way God designed me is that we need to be in community, in connection and in relationships with other people called the church. And in doing so, our faith will grow in the process. So we're gonna take a journey through the scriptures this morning. If you got your Bibles, go and open up to Genesis chapter two. Genesis chapter two, title of the sermon, it all rides on relationships. Now, if we go all the way back to the beginning, Genesis chapter one, we see creation. We see God putting forth creation. There was nothing, he created everything from nothing. And in Genesis two, God created Adam. And we know the story, right? Like God created Adam, put him in the garden. Adam is in the garden of Eden. He's the only human at the time, right? And so he's working day in and day out. There's no sin in the world. Everything is perfect. Adam's job is like working the fields, naming all the different animals. That'd be a cool job, right? Like God said, Adam, you get to name them all. And so he's just making up all these names and he's working the, the fields. He's harvesting the crops. And in Genesis chapter two, uh, verse 18, something incredibly interesting happens. Now God has created everything and said, it's good. We know the story. He created for six days. On the seventh day, we're told that God rested. And he said that his creation was good. But then in Genesis two eighteen, he looks at Adam in creation. And in Genesis two eighteen, this is what God says about what he had created. It is not good that the man should be alone. Now imagine God is in, in heaven, obviously, and he's in fellowship with Adam. There's this perfect individual relationship with God, but God looks and says, that in and of itself is not good. It's not good for man to be alone. And I'm gonna give you a statement right now that, that may ruffle some of your feathers, especially if you grew up in the church, and that's this. It is not enough just to have a personal relationship with God. Like when I think about a sinless, perfect relationship with God, Adam had it in Genesis chapter two, and God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I think about some of the, the terminology or the language that's used within the Christian world. I, I'm a firm believer that uh, words build wor worlds. And so the words that we use uh, shape our belief systems. They shape how we think and how we act. And one of the phrases that's used within the Christian world, maybe even in the church world, and I know you've probably heard it, is that uh, all you need to do is ask Jesus into your heart, right? It's, it's a personal decision. It's a private decision. Just, just to ask Jesus into your heart. And, and what I would encourage us to do today is take that a step further and really ask the question, am I asking 
Jesus to step into my heart, into my world, into my belief system, or am I going to step into his kingdom? In other words, step into something that he's in charge of, and not, not me and my heart, but into his kingdom and into his world, into his rule and into his reign. Because when I do that, when I step in, when I surrender my life, rather than ask him or accept him into my heart, when I surrender my life to Jesus, what begins to happen is, yes, I establish an individual relationship with God, but I also embrace this responsibility that there's other people in the world too. And that this faith that has saved me, this God that has saved me and changed me has done so for a reason, so that I can have relationship with other people. God looks at Adam and says, it's not good for you to be alone. And he makes a decision to create from Adam, Eve, another human, right? We're told that God put Adam into his sleep and he falls into this deep sleep. And from Adam's very rib, he creates Eve. He presents this woman to Adam and Adam's like, yes, I'll take her as my wife. And, and, and it's, a, it's really a passage that's oftentimes used at weddings and rightfully so. But I want to submit to you that, that that principle of relationship extends beyond the boundaries of just marriage. In other words, it's a, it's a principle of just human relationship that in isolation, when we're alone, it's not a good place for us to be. And that the way we were designed by God is to have other people in our lives so that we can have a healthy existence. God creates Eve and gives her to Adam and the two are in relationship together. And, and I think when, when we look back on COVID one day, we look back on this period of time one day, I believe one of the things that we're going to discover, and it's already starting to be uncovered, we're going to discover the, the devastating effects of isolation, of loneliness, of being separated, of being distanced. See, if the enemy can get you isolated, if the enemy can get you alone, if the enemy can uh, keep you from relationships with other people, then he can have a heyday with you. In fact, isolation is the enemy's playground. And right now, when we think about COVID in our society, depression is at an all-time high. Substance abuse is at an all-time high. Physical abuse, emotional abuse, pornography at an all-time high. Opioid use, all-time high. All these uh, lifestyle sins, obesity, right? If you put on some pounds during quarantine, give me a shout out right now in the thread, right? Hadn't been real friendly for those who couldn't go to the gym. During COVID and during quarantine, there's been damaging and devastating effects from what happens when you're not in relationship and you're not in community and when you're disconnected from society, and it is not, it is not the new normal. See, if, if we're gonna live out God's design for us as the church and as the people of God, we're gonna have to seek community, seek relationship, seek connectedness, to actually go after it. What that means is it's actually gonna take some effort to get into relationship and to get into community. I know for, for some of you, let's just be honest, right? Like six months, no school, work's been virtual, gym shut down, 
it's really easy to get lax and get lazy. And when you tune into a, a service like today and you hear this encouragement to get into a small group or get into community or get into relationship, immediately what can happen is you start to think, man, that's a lot of work. I actually have to get up and get dressed, fix my hair, right? And it is work, it is effort, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And I, and I think when we, we examine God's word, we realize that because God designed us for relationship, there's certain benefits that are gonna happen in those relationships that are for our good and for his glory. Now, Adam and Eve came together and obviously they were fruitful and they multiplied and they had kids and kids had kids and kids had kids. And, and, and when, when we get to the end of Genesis, what we find is that the people of God had multiplied vastly. And they were in this place where they had famine in the promised land. So they went to Egypt. And when they went to Egypt, they multiplied in number. And so the Egyptians made them slaves. They were afraid that if the people of God outnumbered them as the Egyptians, that should they ever be attacked by an enemy, that, that the people of God, the Israelites, would turn against the Egyptians. So they made them slaves. And so imagine, if you will, like one and a half to two million Israelites were now slaves in Egypt. And you know the story of Moses. God tells Moses, hey, I want you to go to Egypt and set my people free, right? God doesn't intend for, he doesn't intend for his people to be oppressed or enslaved or captivated, right? So God, God tells Moses, go and set my people free. So Moses goes and he talks to the Pharaoh and pleads for God's people to be set free. The Pharaoh, of course, resists. And so God sends plagues to the land that culminates with the plague of the, the angel of death that covers over the land. And after that is the Passover where the people of God get released, get set free into the wilderness. And Moses leads the people through the desert. Now I want you to imagine the chaos that was about to ensue. You've got almost 2 million people that now are out from underneath the bondage of slavery that are walking through the desert and they have no idea how to live in relationship with God or relationship with each other. See, when you're enslaved, all you do is what your master tells you to do. You get up when they tell you to get up, you eat when they tell you to eat, you work when they tell you to work. That's your authority, that's who you respond to. You don't really know how to respond to another authority. So, so now that you're released into the desert, who do you listen to? How do you interact? Right? Who makes decisions? What does justice look like? What does judgment look like? What's fair? See, God had delivered his people out of Egypt. And he had told them, you're going to be a holy and blessed and set apart nation that, that is supposed to represent him and his heart and his soul to the world. Yet they had no clue how to do that. So in Exodus chapter 20, what we find is Moses uh, is called up on a mountain by God. God says, okay, I got to teach my people how to live in relationship with me and relationship with each other. Keep in mind, the heart of God is for us to be in relationship, yes, with him, but also with other people. He calls Moses up onto Mount Sinai. And it's on Mount Sinai where God hands down the 10 commandments. And I want to go through them real quick with you. I'm not going to read them all because it's a kind of extensive chapter, but the 10 commandments are as follows. So, so track with me if you got your Bible, uh, if you got an app, but here they are. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not have any idols. 
Number three, you should not take God's name in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Number five, honor your father and mother. Number six, you should not murder. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Number eight, you shall not steal. Number nine, you shall not lie about your neighbor. And number 10, you shall not covet your neighbor's stuff, any of it. Now, at first glance, when you see the Ten Commandments, which maybe some of you uh, saw it on the wall of your church growing up, or maybe you've seen it in people's front yards. Um, we don't do that around here. But if, if you take the Ten Commandments and you examine them real quick, what you're going to find is that the first four commandments have to do with the relationship vertically with God, right? Like, don't have other gods before me. Don't take my name in vain. Don't have other idols that you would worship. And remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. All four of those commands, you don't really need other people, right? Like, those all have to do with the relationship with God, completely vertical. But the other six commands, like don't murder, don't lie, don't covet, don't steal, those, those commands have to do horizontally with other people. What's God doing here? God, God is teaching his people how to live in community and how to live in relationship. I think about freshman year of college, right? Some of y'all can identify with this. Some of you seniors, you're, you're starting or you're now freshmen. You just graduated and you're, you're stepping onto your college campuses or maybe even going virtually, right? I think about freshman year of college when, when you show up on campus, you don't know how to live, right? You don't, you don't really know like how to, how to manage a budget. You don't really know how much stuff costs. You don't know how to eat healthy, when to wake up, how to manage a syllabus. There's a massive learning curve that takes place when freshmen step onto a college campus. It's no different here, right? Like Moses has to come down off the mountain with these 10 commandments and look at all these people and essentially say, okay, here's how we're gonna live. This is what God wants us to look like as his people. And so he presents the 10 commandments to them. They begin obviously honoring the Sabbath. They crush the idols that they had before God. They watched what they said and how they spoke. They made sure to honor God and not curse his name and how they treated each other. The reason they didn't kill each other, the reason they didn't steal from each other, the reason that they didn't covet and try to take relationships or property was because God taught them how to live in community. Here's why it's important. The whole Old Testament is this attempt by God's people to live according to the commands that he gave. The whole Old Testament, God says, look, I want you called, holy, set apart, live different, look different, act different, so that you can not only be blessed, but you'll be a blessing to other people. And the Old Testament really is a, a train wreck in them trying to attempt to keep these commands and keep these laws. In fact, the way the Old Testament ends is that the people have been uh, exiled. God allowed them because of their disobedience and be, because they worshiped other idols and because they didn't honor him, he allowed them to be taken into exile. He allowed them to be essentially overrun by their enemies. The walls of Jerusalem get torn down then they get built back up. There's still this void and this emptiness where God is just looking at his people going, there is no way that you can do this on your own. And there's 400 years of silence. 
That's how the Old Testament ends. And you go, wait a minute, like, I thought God was just always there and always present and always constant. And listen, he is, but he is, he takes four centuries and just kind of goes, pause. And I think it's to teach his people and teach us a lesson because there's some things that you can only learn in silence. There's some things that you can only learn when you stop, you pause, and you miss maybe what it is that you've taken for granted. I know maybe as you watch right now, there's some things in your life and you would say, man, COVID quarantine has helped me realize some of the things that I greatly appreciate. I know a couple of weeks ago, we were celebrating a baptism here in the service and I was talking to a couple who had come. They were part of the small group of the one that was being baptized. And as we were talking in the foyer with tears in her eyes, this, this lady was telling me how much she has missed worshiping with the church. It's amazing what we take for granted when we always have it available. And when I look at the Old Testament, the people of God had God's voice and guidance and leadership walking step in step with them for so long. And they grew to the point where they took it for granted. And it's as if God just pulled it back and he's silent for 400 years. But then we come to the New Testament and we're reminded of what God's heart is for his people and his heart is for relationship. And you know the story, God sends Jesus and Jesus steps down from heaven. He's born as a child, right? And then he grows up and about uh, the age of 30 begins this public ministry. And one of the things that I love that Jesus said, he says that if, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, if you want a good idea about what God is like, look at Jesus, right? Because there's all kinds of misconceptions about God. Maybe you grew up thinking God was this like authority figure, right? Hellfire and brimstone, all about judgment, all about condemnation. You were afraid of him. Maybe, maybe you grew up and you think God's more like a Santa Claus, right? Like where you really want something, so then you pray for it. And if you pray hard enough, he's going to give it to you because that's who he is. He's just kind of up there like a Pez dispenser, like answering your prayers. Or, or maybe, maybe you think God's just up there and he's just this big loving, you know, like accept all, include all, embrace all. Like there's, there's no boundaries. There's no expectations. There's no standard of holiness. There's all kinds of mis, misconceptions about who God is. But if you want to know what God really looks like, we see it in Jesus. Like we believe the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And what I love about Jesus is this. Jesus was the master of relationships, the master of building relationships. In fact, when, when we read through the gospels, just pick any one of them. You can go with Mark, you could take Luke, maybe John. If you pick a gospel and you start reading it, what you find is that Jesus connected relationally with all kinds of people. Like Jesus is having conversation in John chapter three with the wisest man in all of Israel, Nicodemus. He's having an intellectual conversation and then a spiritual conversation with Nicodemus in a garden in the middle of the night. And then not too long after that, Jesus is, is at a wedding and he's in this celebration. He's at a party, right? And then not too long after that, he's having dinner with tax collectors and Pharisees and sinners in this house. Like Jesus is uh, looking face to face with a woman that was caught in adultery and drugged to his feet. Jesus is having uh, dinner with Zacchaeus at his house, probably the richest man in all the land, right? Like Jesus connected with all kinds of people. He relationally was a genius. 
And when I think about what the church should look like, man, as, as the people of God, what should we look like? We should be able to do the same thing. We definitely should not uh, huddle up in this holy bubble where the only people we talk to are, are our small group or other Christians. Like, yes, that's necessary, but we also have to have the ability to connect outside of Christian circles, to be kind to people and loving to people and listening to other people, to serve the community that we're in, right? Like I think about Jesus and, and how he was so full of grace when he dealt with people, full of forgiveness, but also how he didn't compromise on the truth and he didn't back off the truth from the things of God. Jesus kept these two in balance and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And in John 15, I wanna read something that Jesus said because I wanna camp here for a moment as we talk about getting into small groups and, and the importance of relationships. There was this moment in John 15 where Jesus is teaching his disciples. And in this particular setting in John chapter 15, he's got his 11 most faithful disciples in front of him. Most scholars believe Judas was not in this group at the time. If you know the story, Judas was one of Jesus' disciples that uh, followed him for three years and right towards the end of his life, Judas betrayed Jesus. He sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. John 15, Jesus is looking at his faithful 11 and this is what he says to him in John 15. He says, now I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus paints this picture. One of the things I love about Jesus is that uh, he, he used illustrations. He used parables to help teach principles and teach truths. And so I imagine Jesus, as he teaches this, I imagine him sitting like in a garden up next to a vine, right? Like just imagine a, a vineyard. I imagine Jesus sitting next to it, his disciples there and and him looking up saying, um, here's the deal, I'm, I'm the vine. So you, you imagine this thick vine running up, uh, maybe a tree or maybe running up a post. He says, I'm the vine. Now you, 11, you're the branches. You're the branches, like you extend off the vine. He says, if, if you abide in me, then I'll abide in you. And, and if we keep that going, then you're gonna bear much fruit. Right, like if, if you stay connected to me, I'm definitely gonna stay connected to you. And so as a branch off from the vine, which is me, you're gonna see healthy fruit from your lives. And I imagine the, the 11 disciples understanding that and seeing that for themselves. Now, what's interesting is you're not gonna go many places and find a vine with one branch that sticks off that's producing fruit. In fact, I would encourage you to try. Vineyards don't grow that way. See, John 15, five, I think it's interesting that Jesus says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. It's plural. It is not singular. See, I found that, that Christians, most Christians I know that struggle, they struggle alone. They struggle because they're trying their best to be a branch, but they're not connected to other branches. But when you look at a healthy vine, a healthy vineyard, there's branches that are intertangled that support one another, they feed off of one another, right? Like branches are meant to exist in community together and where there's healthy community, there's healthy fruit. 
but you find a branch that's connected in isolation by itself, man, it's gonna struggle tremendously. In fact, the vine produces multiple branches. So here's my question for you as you think about community and connection and relationship in your life. Are you connected to other branches or are you trying to do this thing on your own? Because see, some, some, some of you, some of you would say that you're a branch that's connected to the vine, but, but your branch has gone off and gotten entangled with other vines. Like your branch has gone off and gotten entangled to other agendas, or maybe your branch has gone off and gotten entangled with, with weeds that actually pull you down instead of producing fruit up. You go, well, what's weeds? Well, weeds can be some relationships in your life that are not God-honoring, that are not trying to help you produce spiritual fruit. Weeds can be uh, chasing finances or chasing career or chasing success. Weeds can be some kind of addiction that is dragging you down that you're just afraid to confess to somebody to get help for. Weeds can be uh, drunkenness. Weeds can be anything that distracts you from pursuing Jesus and pursuing his kingdom that's called a weed. And anytime weeds get tangled up with branches, your ability to produce fruit diminishes dramatically. That's why Jesus says in John 15 that God, my father, is the vine dresser. He's the one that takes care of the vine. So it's very possible that some of the cutting away of your life right now, some of the things that have been cut out over the last couple of days, weeks, or months, God's allowing that stuff to be cut out of your life so that you'll become more like Jesus. So you'll actually begin producing fruit. I just believe with all my heart, this COVID season is not only pruning back some of our lives individually, but it's pruning back the church. And I believe God's removing some of the stuff that's been distracting, some of the weeds, some of the clutter, and he's cleaning it up and there's good fruit on the way. And maybe that's true for your own life. What do your branches look like? Who are you connected to? And maybe you're watching right now and you go, look, I'm so thankful for this branch in my life called Shannon Clark. I'm so thankful for this branch in my life called Mark Gillespie. I'm so thankful for this branch called Jeff Brown or Delaney. I'm so thankful for Ashley. I'm so thankful, right? Like for Greg, by the way, Tevin earlier said, Greg, who's been a part of Awakened Church for a while. Y'all, Greg's been here since day one, uh, <laughs> which is amazing. I just think about the, the groups that we do have at our church. And when I think about our small groups, the vision, the visual that comes to mind is a whole bunch of vineyards with branches that are interlocked, interconnected, and staying connected to Jesus together. And all the fruit that's coming out of those groups, all the fruit coming out of those lives, yes, they're for the good of those in the group and for the good of the community, but it's all taking place to the glory of God, the Father. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Maybe for some of you, you just need to to allow yourself, right? You go, I'm already connected to the vine. I would encourage you to get connected to some branches, right? Like braid yourself with some other people so the fruit in your life can actually increase. Jesus showed us how to live. He showed his disciples the importance of relationships. And when he left to go back to heaven, Jesus said, look, I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to go do exactly what you've seen me do. I want you to go do that with other people. And so the entire early church is built on relationships. The entire early church 
is built on small groups and house churches. And yes, they met together publicly, but what did they do together? They studied the word, they served one another, they cared for one another, they shouldered burdens, they prayed for one another. It's why in Galatians 5, Paul, Paul writes a letter to one of the churches. And in Galatians chapter 5, this is what he says. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And before I keep reading, earlier Jesus said, if you abide in me and I in you, then you'll bear much fruit. You go, well, what is fruit? What is fruit? This is what fruit looks like. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let me read those again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And Paul says, if we live by the Spirit of God, then let's also keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, we find this charge that if we're the people of God and we're filled with His Spirit, and if we're filled with the Spirit and we're connected to Jesus, then the overflow of our lives, right? Because a plant doesn't have to work to produce fruit. Would you agree with that? Like a vine and a branch, a branch doesn't have to do any work to produce fruit. It's an overflow of the nutrients that's flowing through that plant. Like fruit is just overflow of life that's inside of you because what's inside of you is what's gonna come out. And Paul says, look, if we're the people of God living by the spirit of God, connected to the vine, which is Jesus, there's gonna be this overflow of fruit in our lives. And it's gonna look like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. This stuff's just gonna come out of us. And so the question we have to ask is, if that stuff is not flowing out of us, something's wrong. Like something's off if that stuff's not said to be overflow in our lives. I remember as an early Christian, I used to think that Paul said the fruits, plural, fruits of the spirit are, right? Like it's, it's like if I went to Publix and I was like, yeah, I'll get a little bit of love, right? Kind of like apples. I'll get a little bit of joy, grab some oranges, get a little bit of patience, right? Like my pears. I used to think that uh, the, the fruits of the spirit was like a produce department where you could pick and choose. And I would just kind of be like, you know what? I'm just not real good at patience. God loves me. God saved me. I love Jesus, but I'm just an impatient person. And hey, people just have to take it for what it is. I can't change it. And maybe some of y'all walk around with a chip like that too. You're like, look, I just ain't joyful. I'm a glass half empty kind of person. It's always a partly cloudy day. I ain't going to put a mask on and, well, you probably should be able to put a mask on, but uh, you're not going to fake it, try to fake happiness, force joy, right? Like maybe, maybe you try to give yourself an exception or an out. And what we have to remember is it's not fruits, it's fruit, right? It's like a fruit salad. And when you accept the spirit, you accept all of it. You don't get to pick and choose what part you're going to actually exemplify in your life. Paul says, look, it's all got to overflow. It's all got to overflow. That's why right now in these times, you, you look at all the commentary and all the opinions, maybe even from the church or other Christians, 
Man, there's some Christians right now that are not very joyful, just negative and cynical and critical. And it's like, man, that is not from the spirit. Like check, check your heart on that stuff. Or divisive, right? Like causing division, causing dissension, causing discouragement. Man, the spirit of God brings peace. We should seek peace together or kindness. Man, the world could use a dose of kindness right now, right? And the church could as well. Paul says, look, if you're connected to the vine and you're connected in community, if you're connected to other branches, the fruit of the spirit is gonna pour out in your life and you're gonna bear much fruit because that's God's heart for his church. Let me ask you this in closing. As you consider maybe relationally where you are with Jesus and with his church, look, I I don't wanna skip the fact that all of this stems out of a relationship with God that comes through Jesus. See, I told you in the Old Testament, the people could not keep the commands. They could not keep the law. They could not behave good enough to get to God. And that's just a fact. It doesn't matter how hard you try, what behavior you modify, what sins you try to put aside. It doesn't matter how much counseling or treatment or change you try to seek. You can't earn or get your way to God. And the people found that out. That's why the New Testament, the new covenant, the gospel is this. God came to us through Jesus. So God sends Jesus from heaven and says, look, you can't, but I can. And Jesus lived a sinless life, completely perfect, went to the cross, gave his life for your sins and for mine. And God says that if we trust in his sacrifice, if we trust trust in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, then we will have life. The only way to be in relationship with God, vertical relationship with God, is through Jesus the Son. And maybe today you need to give your life to Jesus. It all starts there. It all starts there. Maybe today you need to say, God, I'm ready to begin a relationship with you. I trust Jesus. I believe in Jesus. And today I want a relationship with you. Man, if that is you, I'm inviting you right now. You can put it in the comments below this video. You can text follow Jesus to 797979. Just text the words follow Jesus to 797979. We will connect with you and help you as you start a relationship with God. It all flows from there. If you've made that decision already, but you've recognized today, hey, I'm, I'm a solo branch out here trying to make it on my own. I don't really have anybody else in my life. I'm not really connected to any other Christians. I don't have a community. Can I just invite you today? Text the word community to 797979. Maybe you're watching right now. Just put it in the threads. Just put community. I promise one of our staff will reach out to you and get you engaged. In two weeks, maybe uh, three weeks, our small groups are gonna be starting back up. And last I checked, we got about 100 leaders that are gonna be leading small groups all throughout the Charleston area. This past weekend, there were 17 group leaders that went through our leader training, getting ready to launch some new groups out. It's an exciting time to get connected with other branches. And maybe today you go, I need relationships. I need community. I need connection. Text community 797979. Let us know in the threads below right now. We will get you connected so that you don't have to do this on your own. And the goal of it all is this. The goal of it all, the heart behind this message, the heart behind this call for relationship 
is that we will better reflect the heart of God to this city and this community. That as we braid our lives together like a vineyard, there'll be fruit that just overflows from our lives. And when people look in, they go, man, I want some of that. And we'll be able to say it's because of God, because of his church that this is happening and you can be a part of it too. Listen, I love you. I wanna pray for you. And I wanna invite you, before you get off this, this broadcast this morning, get connected to a small group, check out the website, send us a message, we'll make it happen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your heart and your design that you created us to crave one another. You created us, God, so that, that we would want to be in connection with other people. We would want relationship. And in those relationships and in that community, God, you promised that your spirit would dwell and you promised that fruit would come out as we stayed connected to you. So God, I pray in these days, you would cause our church to connect more with one another, to connect more with you. And God, I pray that as we grow through this season and connect in through this season, that we would be a better reflection of your heart, your love to this city that we live in. It's in Jesus' most holy name I pray. And all God's people said, amen.